0: And welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We talk every week about the reality of running property businesses. Simon has a number of buy-to-lets and runs Patma, which is a leading portfolio management software system and a source of property market insights.
1: Stuart runs a portfolio of co-living properties with a six-figure turnover and also has a property investment consultancy.
0: And before we start, don't forget you can now join the email Bop Tribe by simply clicking the link below in the show notes. and. We will be sending out lots of useful pieces of insight and interesting stats for you on this email broadcast once we get up and running. So please do click there to join us. Now, given that this is still very early on in the year, Simon and I were talking about, guess what, property running as business. And obviously on last week's episode, we kind of touched into operating and focusing on cash flow The first question I've got for you, those that are listening, is if I said to you, what is your forecast profit margin for the year ahead going to be, either in numbers or percentage, could you answer that? Now, I imagine if I did allow you some time to think about it, that for most of you, the answer would be no. Now, I can tell you my forecast profit margin for the 12 months ahead is forecasting to be 12 and a bit percent, 12.2 to be precise. And I know that because we are really focused on managing our revenue and cost base. And Simon and I thought it'd be really good just to dig a little bit more into that because we are called the business of property after all, and we really want to help you get to that stage. And in terms of today's episode, there are three key areas that we're going to talk about. One is understanding rental market rates The second was your letting agency rates and or other rates, and then using that to forecast cash flow. Now, Simon, the first point we've talked about there are the rental market rates. And Before we get into that, I'm just going to talk about, so the the forecast margin that I work with is based on the net revenues I receive from letting agents, i.e. that is rental revenue less the agency fees and then less any and all other costs in the business. So if we're going to put this into true business parlance, my forecast margin is 12 and a bit percent EBITDA, so earnings before interest, tax, depreciation and amortization. There you go. I could remember it. I could remember it after all.
1: Very well done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm very glad you didn't ask me that. (laughs) Didn't even have any notes today. Um, So that's what that is. And what, what we're talking about today is, is helping you get to that stage as well. So, Simon, rental market rates, where would you start with this? Well, I think the, the, I think the, the key point that we wanted to try and
1: get at is that you should be aware of what the market rent is for your property or is for your properties. And to be aware of whether you need to be looking at increasing your rent or or maybe decreasing it, but I I suspect that's not the case at the moment. But really being being aware of whether you're missing out on potential income if your your rents are too low. And we're not suggesting that everyone should go and and look up the market rent for for their properties and and instantly go and increase rents on on the tenants to, to that level. But really that you should be aware of it and think about how different the market is to what you're currently charging, if you've got longer-term tenants who've been there for a while, and whether you might need to start thinking about adjusting that to, to help improve your, your cash flow going forwards. But also, if you've got rooms or properties coming empty, then it's always worth going back and having a look at what the current market rent is. And there are lots of different ways you can, you can do this. I'm going to suggest one which uses Patma, of course. And even within Patma, there are actually a couple of ways you can do this. So if you're looking at properties on, on Rightmove that you might want to, to buy, you can dig in from there using either the, the Patma browser extension or Patma's prospector tool. And you can look up comparable past listings. So it will give you listings that were put onto the, the portals for rental properties in the last few months in the surrounding area of similar property types and sizes. And that'll give you sort of actual real comparables you can look at. And it will will also give you a summary of this and and give you an actual estimated rent from that. And I'm not quite sure it's going to be live in time for this episode going going out, but it will be soon after if not. There's actually going to be an extra facility within Patma where you can actually just type in a postcode and it will give you a, a direct rental estimate for property types within that that postcode so you don't need to start from a listing on on right or zoopla or whatever you can actually just just jump straight into the the area you're interested in and and finding out about about rents from that but another popular way of finding out the sort of current or expected market rent would be talking to local agents and i think this is is probably a way that you you often take at the moment stuart isn't it so how how do you go about broaching that question
0: well, very simply, speak to the agents and ask them what their expectation is for the property that you're looking to let or or letting, and or room that you're letting. So, in my case, it's more often than not rooms, and I'll ask them what they see as the best room rates for en suites, large rooms, single rooms, etc. And I was reflecting on this as you were talking. And the other thing I would say is that you don't always have to go to the expectation. So a couple of times with properties that we've recently refurbed, and when I say recently in the last year or so, we have surpassed the expected room rates, stroke letting rates that the agent had given to us. In fact, one agent said, you will never get that rent level here. And we surpassed it by about £100. So the, the point we're making here is that, first of all, you you really need to have a good understanding of what the current market rates are, and you know, as Simon's already talked about, Patma is the, the first port of call. Really, if if you even just want to get a very quick direction, just punch in your own po- you know in the postcode into Rightmove, and sort it to the lowest just to see what the competition is, and and that's the quickest way I do it. if I'm if I'm very short on time, just to have a very quick look, but the agents. Should have a very good steer whether it's an agent you currently use or go to a new agent, and you know that's sometimes a good a good thing to do as well, just to check because we also get into habits and our agents are no different. Is that they will just say, well, you know, in, in my area, for example, they'll just say, well, uh, a nice room is four hundred and fifty pounds a month. When I know that that probably was true six to nine months ago, but actually has moved on a little bit now. So definitely speaking with agents is a good idea.
1: I did wonder about that and was going to to ask whether if you're just asking the agent that you currently use or that you've used previously, whether they have a a tendency to just sort of roll it forwards and say, oh, well, it was renting for for X amount last time. So if we just rent it for X amount again, everyone will be happy. It'll be an easy rent. Let's just get on with it. Or whether they, with renewing your experience, you find they actually tend to push for updated rents or not.
0: Yeah, Uh, and that's why I think it's always good to speak to one or two if you can. And I noticed recently on on our buy-to-let property, actually, that we haven't really looked at it because we were selling the property and we then had it as serviced accommodation. It then went back to rental. And we kind of went to a previous agent that kind of just said, well, yeah, we'll just put it out for the same amount. But when I looked at Right Move and other portals, the, the going rate was, a, was around 15 to 20% more than we'd previously rented it. And my sort of rule of thumb is if it's greater than 10%, then we definitely need to address that. That's not to say, so for example, if we were renting at 1,000 and the market was renting at 1,200, which is about what it was, doesn't mean I'm going straight to 1,200, but I would look at and, and did look at putting it up to 1,100. And, and it rented again quite quickly. So my rule of thumb is if we're outside of the 10%, then we definitely need to revise our rental rates. Of course, the next question is, well, what do we do if there's people already in there? Well, of course, you, ne- you then need to refer to your existing contracts. Obviously, if they've just gone in, you shouldn't even be doing this exercise. <laughs> but if it's... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> just going to wait a while now. <laughs> But uh, if it's greater than six months, you've got Section 13, which means that you can review the uh, rental prices. And as we've said on previous podcasts, a few podcasts ago, yeah, most tenants now know these things are coming. You know, final point from me on this is that again, I worked with agents, particularly within my student student portfolio, and the the, the, the across the board, the rates we put up were about. 10 ish percent and we increased the rents by 10 percent and actually reduced the term of the rental by a couple of weeks so so it kind of balanced each other out we we gave ourselves more time to do uh, maintenance increased the the rents a little bit to cover the costs of energy Uh, so but in the round we've probably increased rents by about five percent which is which is which is about fair And it should be noted more than the agent was suggesting. So I kind of said, look, because the other thing I would say, final point on this piece is that the agents will suggest an increase potentially if you ask them, but they don't have. And this is the whole purpose of this exercise. They don't have the knowledge about your property business that you do. So when the agent said to me, Stuart, we're going to put the rooms up by five pounds per room. I said, that's not enough. That doesn't even cover my energy increases on these properties. So that is why we need to have the the level of awareness. And when I gave them what I suggested the increases would be, they said, okay, we'll, we'll try your route and see what happens and then fall back, which I said, okay, that's an absolutely fair approach. If you're taking people around a property and they say, we like it, but we don't want to pay that, then we have that conversation. But fortunately, everyone that viewed the properties agreed to the rates and just accepted them as they were. Yes.
1: I, I think the rents are generally in, in an upward direction at the moment. And I think everyone is fairly aware of that case and, and expecting it these days. So so yes, it's just a case of how much they they, they go up in different areas and, and what where the ceiling is for what people will accept. Yeah. 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 So I think, well, I, I think we should probably dig into this a little bit later on in some terms of sort of, Really, how you calculate your, your, your profit margin of 12 and a bit percent. But one of the key points to it is that you base this on the money that you receive from letting agents who are doing most of your frontline letting for you. So this is not 12 and a half percent of your absolute top level rent for your properties, it's the rent after your agents have taken out their fees. And of course, that's that's another big chunk of costs that that might actually need addressing. And I think agent fees vary a lot from buy-to-lets to HMOs to service accommodation, if you have an agent doing that as well. And they also vary a lot in different areas. But just as we were, were chatting before we started recording, you mentioned that your agent fees are actually similar perhaps even slightly more than your profit margin so how do you go about deciding whether a a fee proposed by a letting agent is good or not so good
0: the same as we would when we're looking at rental rates is, is you need to speak with more than one party so we'll speak with multiple parties to get a sense of what the current rates are in the area that you're going to invest in or are investing in. So, for example, when I first started investing in my target area, the going rates were anywhere between, and I'm going to include that for simplicity's sake, but anywhere between 12 and 18%. 18% seems ridiculously high right now. However, that is what I went with when I first moved into the area. And the reason I did that without wishing to justify myself, but just explaining the the, the route that we went down was that the agents that were asking for 15% plus fat were the best agents that I'd spoken with. And given the nature of my remote investing, as we all know, more than four hours away, I was really keen to work with people that I felt could be partners. So I was willing to pay what I felt was the highest premium I could pay. The point on this exercise was, though, after a couple of years, it, it became obvious that 18% was not going to be sustainable for my property business. And we now pay nearly half that. So I have differing contracts, but we pay anywhere between 8% and 10% plus that for what we do, which I feel is, is a good market rate for multi-let properties. I've also seen that change in the buy-to-let arena as well. But just reviewing the agency rates and telling an agent that I could no longer stomach that fee took you know, 5% or put 5% of the rental income back in my own pocket, which you know, when you're dealing with you know, tens of thousands, is not to be sniffed at and made a big difference.
1: 5% is... Is a lot when you're you're dealing with the sort of numbers that you're dealing with.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and you know I guess that's a, a slight digression on this is that also one thing that the agents did that we worked with and I know a couple of them do this now but to a smaller degree was that they held floats. So the agents I work with, because you know they they could uh, operate and manage anywhere between a thousand and five thousand rooms because they're in student student towns and. And I, I think it's quite understandable that they say, right, we want to hold a reserve pot of X thousand pounds so that when, the, you know, the tap valves, you know, that we need to unblock the toilet, whatever, we're going to take from that pot and pay it. However, they did that by property and I had multiple properties with them for which they held quite a few thousand pounds. And it got to the stage where, again, about cash flow, once I'd forecasted my cash flow, I looked at it and said, well, why am I struggling? And it's like, oh, because they're holding £2,000 per property that actually would be in my bank account. And again, that was just a a phone call with the agent to say, look, this this isn't viable for me. And their argument was, well, we need it for our cash flow. And I said, well, I need it for my cash flow because if my cash flow doesn't work out, I don't have a business and you won't have properties. And we met somewhere in the middle, which was let's reduce that amount if the agent is saying they need to, to hold those funds
1: for their cash flow, I think that might concern me slightly because I'm sure they should be holding client funds in, in a completely separate account. And while they would need it for cash flow to cover certain expenses like small repairs and things like that, it, it shouldn't be, I'm, I'm pretty sure it shouldn't be on hand for any other kind of, of cash flow from their point of view.
0: No, I think I, I think they, you know, they they were upfront. It was held as a, it was called a float. It's what it was. It was for the maintenance. And I'm just saying cash flow because it's easier. But the, yeah, you know, there were okay, some vagaries yeah. around that. So yeah. yeah,
1: so it's it's for them to cover. I don't know, the the next safety check for the boiler, or as you say, the the tap needing repairing, or the the roof caving in. Probably wouldn't cover the roof caving in actually, but anyway, um, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's something on hand, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a, a very, very common requirement for for letting agents, or maybe not requirement, but preference for for how they work. And and indeed, it's it's been a a repeated request from from letting agents for for a feature within Patma's property manager. And it's something I actually actually built at the, the tail end of 2022, and uh, and is now starting to be be used a bit more. And it's to to track those those funds that letting agents hold. And, and track the, the, the rent coming in and the expenses going out and, and the, the sort of payments then going out to the landlords while still maintaining a, a float, as you said. Yeah. Very, very common practice, I think.
0: So I think, you know, they're the two big key things because we covered off mortgages, energy costs and tax and, and DPC in, in the last episode. So we're not going to go into detail on those, but making sure you've got the right market rate, and if not addressing that, making sure that you're reviewing on an annual basis. And certainly this is the right time of year to do that, to review your agency rates and anything that they might be charging you for or holding monies for that actually doesn't work in your favor, there conversations to be had because we are in a, an environment that is, is highly competitive. And if we're running a property business, we need to take emotion out of it. And, and I say that as someone that loves building relationships you know I, I was I was highly reticent to change the agents that I had, but when it came to a choice of do I either want to have a property business that will function and last for more than five years or have a really good relationship, I had to focus on the business, and that is why the business came first and get to build new relationships where wow. people are understanding, and all of that th- those things means that we can build a cash flow. So a cash flow document where we can forecast our revenue for at least the next 12 months, as As Simon knows, and as, as some people have listened to, I'm quite sad and I, I'm actually doing this for the next three years. So I can forecast out what uh, currently what my bank balance looks like in April 2025. But we'd suggest that most people probably just have one sheet with your forecast revenue for the year ahead and your forecast costs, including all the things we've just talked about in terms of agency rates, uh, mortgage fees, utility costs, and uh, anything else that you can think of, maintenance, you know just look back on the, the previous year and, and forecast what that might be, and that will give you your margin. And if that's something that you are not happy with or comfortable with, then, then you know something's got to change. And actually it can help you. And the key reason I do it is now I do it for not just for myself to make sure that I've got enough money in the bank, which is a primary concern right now, but I'm hoping within the next year it will be more about when I'm sharing information with potential investors or looking at new projects, I can just share a document that shows people that this is a, a, a business that's working really well. And it is our intention to to share a forecast cash flow forecast document with you. And we will do that. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a, in a future episode when we can share it, because that's something that's going to be built very soon. But Simon, I think that covers off in the round forecasting cash flow. Was there any other points that you think we should share?
1: You, you mentioned some other sort of very high level figures in your or from your cash flow forecasting, which I thought might be quite interesting to, to share with, with the listeners. And it ties in a little bit to how you're calculating your, your percentage profit as well so you've got your your total income your total rent revenue and then you've got your 10 to 15% ish of agent's fees which you take off sort of at the top before anything else and then you've got the the funds that you receive from your your letting agents and that is where you sort of start calculating your 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 further breakdown of of these figures of which your 12% profit comes in. But you've also got some, some other good headline figures for your, your mortgage and some of your other fees and some big, big, big lumps of expense. So could you just run, run through some of those perhaps? Because I think they're quite interesting.
0: Yeah. And I should point out that the reason that we are working on net revenue is just because that's how it's transpired at the moment. I'm actually in conversations to more effectively manage the revenue and costs in the business. And part of that is making sure that we are building our forecasts on gross revenue, but it's quite complicated given the amount of properties that we've got and the amount of rentals we've got. So right now, this is just on a needs-must basis, so we we know where we stand. But eventually, and and I had a chat with a bookkeeper today about how we start building in the gross revenues, what, what the tenant is paying, and then subtract everything from there. So I just wanted to clarify that. But in terms of other figures, now bear in mind, again, this is a sort of six- Figure revenue business, which is based on owned properties and leased properties. I'll talk through my biggest expenses and the biggest expenses. So, if I look at a percentage of all of our expenses against the business, so roughly that, uh, you know, the 88% that's left. So, we've got a 12% margin. So, the 88% costs of those costs, 40% of those costs are paid to landlords. So we have fixed landlord payments. The second highest cost is energy plus service charges, and that comes to just under 30%. So almost a third is energy and service charges, and that's just for one property we own, which is uh, is the, the non-flip, which which we've owned for about three years, and that's, the service charges are over £4,000 a year. So that kind of skews the data somewhat, but that's that's the danger of flats. And then the, uh, the other big cost, unsurprisingly, is mortgages, which come in at about a fifth. So 20% of those costs are about a fifth. The rest of them, I would say, relatively at the moment, negligible.
1: Well, so we've got, 20, 30, so that's 50% are mortgage and energy, and then 40, 40 is payments to landlords. And so we've got 10, 10% of, of your costs are other stuff.
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: So sort of repairs and voids and, and, as you know, voids wouldn't count because you're, you're, you're basing it from yeah. rent coming in. So yeah, it's, it's, it's repairs and certifications and bits and bobs like that. here.
0: Yeah, and actually does include some accountancy fees in there as well. Oh, yeah,
1: of course. Yeah, business costs as well. Just as actual general property business costs.
0: costs. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool. I think that's a really, really interesting breakdown and uh, a great, great spot to finish on then.
0: Well, hopefully that's proved useful to a number of our listeners. And don't forget, please do join the growing BOP tribe. Just click on the link below. You can also send us an email at show at com. tweet us at biz of property other than that we'll see you on the next episode